0: And we hope you'll be able to come out to the Breadbox Folk Theater at St. Paul's Church because there'll be a special event coming up on Saturday night, Blues in Conversation with Cal David. Cal played Shabu with the Rhinestones many times. He actually came back here with the Rhinestones, and they played an outdoor concert a while back. And he will be coming back to town, as he was in town here earlier this summer, playing with the Mohegans on All-Stars. And Cal joins us this morning. Cal, good morning. Thanks for joining us today. Where do we find you this morning?
1: here in Connecticut. I'm enjoying the shore here at Groton Long Point. We have a house down here for a couple of weeks, so um, it's just a pleasure to be here. Just, and I'm just
0: cooling it today. Just kind of hang <laughs> out with the guitar and maybe write some new music? Yeah,
1: you never know. I'm here with Miss Laurie, so, you know, she's my, my co-writer, so you never know what we might come up with.
0: Tell me what the event coming up on Saturday night is going to be. Is that a little different from some of the concerts you've done, since it's uh, going to be more acoustic and more conversation-oriented?
1: Well, yes, it's called Blues and Conversation. And what happened, the way we got to it is uh, I did some seminars at Berklee School of Music in Boston. And I noticed how much the kids really enjoyed my stories. Uh, Miss Laurie came up with this idea, actually, to uh, put together the stories and uh, some of the music that either I wrote over that time period or enjoyed. <laughs> and uh, so we put together, a, uh, you know, stories and song. And we're going to present it for the first time on the East Coast, uh, first time in New England over there at the Breadbox Theater.
0: And I'm really looking forward to it. Cal, I'm all about stories here. You say the kids like hearing some of those stories. Give me an example of one or two of the ones that they seem to like the most.
1: Well, you know, I wasn't brought to Berkeley to say, put your finger here and you get this note. They've got a, a whole faculty at that school that does it. Uh, it was sort of like what you're going to do after you leave college and you enter the music business. Uh, so, gee, I don't know. Uh, let's see, here's one. I, I, I would say something like, do you want to hear the time I met John Lennon? <laughs> and everybody would go, ooh, yeah, John Lennon. You want to hear about the time John Lennon spoke to me? Yes, John Lennon spoke to you. Great. So uh, uh, shortly, uh, I'll shorten it up. Uh, I was performing at a peace rally in 1971 in New York City. Uh, John Lennon had just arrived in New York at that time, and uh, this was a a peace rally that was like they shut down Sixth Avenue, and as far as I could see, there were people with umbrellas bobbing up and down because there was a slight drizzle going on. It must have been a hundred thousand people out there in the street, and there was a rumor that Lennon and, and Yoko were going to show up, and they did after a while. And John wanted to sing "Give Peace a Chance," which I know both of those chords, so. We did that song, and uh, we were playing it for a while, and as I was the leader of the rhinestones, uh, John turned to me and said, keep on playing. And I quote,
0: and you knew both of those chords? Was that C and G, the two chords in that song? Yeah. Well, I so, thought uh, it's interesting, too, that uh, that uh, you picked a song by the Beatles to record. I heard it on your website uh, today. And that's While My Guitar Gently Weeps. And the irony there is that you're a blues guy, and you make the guitar weep. Is that one reason you picked that particular song?
1: Well, actually, I, I had occasion to learn that song in November 2002 when George passed away. And I wanted to do something at the gigs to honor him. He was a great Beatle, a great guitarist, a wonderful writer. So uh, I decided to pick that song and I did it instrumentally, Uh, I didn't sing it. And uh, you know, uh, it was very popular. It was going over very well and I still perform it.
0: Cal David, doing the song from the Beatles' White Album, While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Cal, when did you begin to glom toward the blues? I mean, there was a time, I'm sure, early in your musical career that suddenly you decided that's where you wanted to go.
1: Well, I played all kinds of music coming up. I was a rock and roller, but the, my rock and roll was always blues tinged, if you know what I mean, because uh, I couldn't help it. I'm from Chicago. i listened to blues all my life, but... Um, I got a gig with John Mayall. Uh, he heard me play, and he said, uh, you know, if I ever lose Mick Taylor, I'm going to hire you to play in my band, and he sure enough did. And uh, the lesson that I learned was, here's this uh, Caucasian gentleman from, <clears throat> from England, you know, twice removed. He's not only white, but he's English. Um, and he made me realize that, um, you know, after all these, wonderful uh, guys that originated the blues they're all starting to be gone now from this planet you know uh, that the blues belongs to all of us and uh, you know i've got a right to play the blues <laughs> I've, I've lived <laughs> i've experienced some uh, hard times so i decided after playing with Mayall that i would dedicate myself to this music because i love it so much i always have I remember when I was playing in a rock and roll band, every time Jimmy Reed would have a hit, I'd want to learn it. Not because it was easy. There were only a couple of chords, you know. But because there was so much feeling in between the notes. It's not the notes. I tell my students, it's not so much the notes. It's the spaces between the notes that are just as important as the notes themselves. So I, I just love the blues, and uh I feel that it's part of me now. And uh I think it was playing with mail that made me realize that a white boy from the suburbs of Chicago could sing the blues.
0: Speaking of Chicago, you did a little time with Peter Soterra, didn't you?
1: Well, I, um, he won't tell it this way, but I kind of discovered him. <laughs> I mean, uh, we were both, uh, I had just graduated high school. He was still in school, still in high school. And, uh, my band out on the south side of Chicago, uh, wanted to get, uh, a bass player and I was introduced to Peter and, uh, he played pretty good. Uh, he he had a habit of when he would be singing, he would stop playing the bass. So I said to him, Peter, if you're singing and playing, and you're playing the bass, it's more important that you play a bass note than sing. So if you're going to sing, make sure you play those bass notes so we don't have gaps in the bottom. And uh, And the rest is history. <laughs> he went on to, of course, do many great things, and I'm very proud of him.
0: Well, Paul McCartney never stopped playing the bass when he was singing, right?
1: That's right. So that
0: works out. Cal, tell me a little bit about your background as far as Shabu is concerned, your memories of what that old Smoky Nightclub was like, and the place that Shabu holds in the legacy of blues music, because it really helped keep that genre alive, and certainly in this area it did.
1: Well, you know, Willimantic, because of Shabu, Willimantic was, became known as a music haven. And uh, I must have played Shabu. It had to be 50 times if it was once. I lived in Woodstock, New York. Uh, I was uh, up there, and uh, it seemed like every time we'd leave town, we'd go to Shabu. Did
0: you live on Max Yasgur's farm?
1: <laughs> no, actually, that was outside of Woodstock. I actually lived in Woodstock proper, a small town in, uh, in upstate New York, very close to where that festival was. But uh, what was I telling you?
0: We're we'll talking about Shabu and the way you oh, lived. Oh
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, they just had their fortieth anniversary. How wonderful for the! And you played it. Uh, yes, I was there, and uh, and you were there. Um, I brought, anyway, I brought uh, you
0: guys on stage along with Patty to it. We introduced you guys, the uh, Mohegan Sun All Stars, or as they were once called, the Shabu All Stars.
1: Yes, and uh, so you know, Shabu, it, it meant a lot to the musical community because not only did they book every rock act that was on the radio but they also booked every blues act that they could get I mean they had Muddy Waters Howlin' Wolf Albert Collins uh, James Cotton played there a whole bunch of times Freddie King I mean anybody you could imagine and you know the ticket price was like three (laughs) dollars you know to see a concert like that you know it, it really meant a lot To uh, to this whole New England. I mean, when I played there with the Rhinestones, we would draw from five states. I mean, we'd have people coming from as far as Maine, and it would pack out. It would really pack out. I really enjoyed my time at the Shabu.
0: Well, the other memory I have of all the acts I saw, including the Rhinestones, there was unlike the concert concept that we have today. You were up close and personal when you went to see the acts there. You'd be sitting on the floor, and they'd be 15, 10 feet in front of you. You were right there with them, and to me, that was just part of the experience.
1: One little step up to the stage. You know, it's kind of a low ceiling in Shabu, if you recall.
0: So can you I remember... remember uh, go ahead. I was just wondering if you can remember the first time you played there. I mean, did, did David Foster reach out to you, or did you say, hey, we're taking a tour around New England, can we play your club? I and mean, how did that first connection come about?
1: You know, those are hazy days. I can't really remember how we met, but I'm still friends with David Foster and all the folks that ran the place, Carrie and Bruce and uh, everybody there. I see Skip, who worked for Shabu for, I mean, he's still there, man. <laughs> Old Skip did sound at Shabu, and I still see him on the on these uh, Mohegan Sun All Stars, Shabu All Stars gigs, you know. And everybody was great back then, and. Those that survived, they're still they're still on my in my Rolodex. It's uh, I saw David last night, and uh, so yeah, no, it was great time for us all.
0: Uh, I'm wondering too about like when you come on stage when you were here at Jilson Square in the summertime of the 40th anniversary reunion concert. Is there much rehearsal that goes on with your band, with David's band beforehand? What impresses me, as many times as I've seen them play, how tight they are, yet I get the impression there's not a lot of rehearsal ahead of time. You guys just know each other so well, you know what the other's going to be doing next.
1: Well, I like to say that we've played the same clubs in different towns. Uh, (laughs) We do never rehearse. We never Rehearsal these days is a luxury. I mean, even with my band, we pretty much rehearse by MB3. And then we get to the sound check and we talk down the endings. And that's about it for rehearsal. The rehearsal was all done by Plum Live. You know, and it's and it's that way with uh with David Foster's group. Uh we just all seem to know the same songs and when we start to play, David counts it off and we all just kind of fit in like gears in a machine.
0: I'm looking at our website here because we've got a page here dedicated to the old days of Shabu and the listing of all the big names that played there. We've got compiled here, John Tewitt did a great job on that and among the listings that we have, and these are some of the ones you just mentioned Cal, uh, James Montgomery Band James Cotton Band, NRBQ Fabulous Rhinestones, Jonathan Edwards Roomful of Blues, Aztec Two-Step, and then with Blues Roots B.B. King, Muddy Waters, Freddie King Buddy Guy and Junior Wells, John Mayall Taj Mahal, Sonny Terry, Brownie McGee, Lonnie Mack, Papa John Creech Hound Dog Taylor How's that for just the Blues category?
1: naming every blues person. <laughs> you know, I mean, how astute must David Foster have been to grab these guys off the road? I mean, he was really tuned in. He was really tuned in. We had a night one time, uh, I was reminiscing with David last night, about, uh, he had this group there uh, opening for the Rhinestones, and they were called uh, Toby Bow. Do you remember Toby Bow?
0: I do. They they, that, my, uh, Angel Baby.
1: Yes, Angel Baby. So, we, uh, I... They opened for us, but I wasn't addressing them. I did not hear a note they played. But I went out, you know, they said, here's the rhinestones. Okay, so we went out, and I said hello to the audience. I said, let's have a nice hand for Tony Bow. Take a bow, Tony. And then somebody whispered to me, there's no Tony. It's Toby Bow. It's a group named after a boat. The Toby Bow, <laughs> no, so that know. was that was a bit embarrassing.
0: I didn't know that, but it was one hit wonder, and that song "My Angel Baby" got to number thirteen on the charts in nineteen seventy-eight. A pop quintet from Texas, Toby Boy, Bow. You know the yeah. answers now, huh? Yeah, <laughs> That's absolutely. Pretty good. Yeah, some great days, and and the reunions are kind of fun. A lot of fun to come back, and uh, we kind of interesting to to watch the spectators' age, too. I mean, now, a lot of the people who are there watching you guys in the 70s at Shaboo, now they're out there with gray hairs and, you know, their grandparents and things like that. You know, we get old, too.
1: You know, and we get uh, their kids and their grandkids. They bring the, you know, the next generation to expose them to the music that they love, and we are... We are garnering new fans of all ages. It's just a great thing to see
0: and to experience. Cal, that's a great point, because when I was at the concert here at Gilson Square in the summertime, I was noticing the younger folks that were grooving to all the music that was out there, uh, both, you know, all three of the acts that were on stage. That's a very good point to make. Update me on the, uh, the old members of the Rhinestones you play with, including the former electric flag bass player, Harvey Brooks. What's he doing now?
1: Well, Harvey has moved lock, stock, and barrel to Israel and he's living in Jerusalem now uh, he's really enjoying it I think he's been there a couple of years now um, and anybody that's interested they can look at Harvey's blog I believe it's called View from the Bottom or Harvey Brooks from the Bottom it's on uh, YouTube and he's got things on there about his time with Miles Davis and stories about uh, his his time with Bob Dylan and certainly the electric flag and there might be something on there about rhinestones as well but uh, you know Harvey's doing well he's thriving he's playing all the time he's just across the water <laughs> you
0: know? big across uh, the big pond yeah and then yeah. The, the former Buckingham's keyboard player Marty Greb do you hear from him
1: sure marty's in california now um he is um uh, has been writing tunes doing very well i mean the first one i heard about him writing was uh, he got a cover on a Bonnie Raitt record a long time ago but he had some covers uh, uh, he had a couple of tunes cut by eric clapton he was writing with a guy named Jerry Lee Williams, and Laurie and I actually cut a couple of Jerry Lee Williams, three maybe, Jerry Lee Williams tunes. He was a great writer. He's gone now. But, uh, you know, Marty's doing quite well uh, with his songs, and he's I believe he's got a new album, a new CD out, uh, and I'm going to pick it up. I told him I would get it. so we are in touch
0: following up on that theme too you talked about video on YouTube and the like and perhaps you can talk about the importance of the internet as a vehicle now to get your music out that well my guitar gently weeps number that I played I took off your website caldavid.com and how that gives you a way to reach out to people that maybe a generation ago you wouldn't have reached
1: well you know people are quote unquote finding me people that I haven't even thought about or maybe never knew were in my audience thirty years ago, twenty years ago, ten years ago. Uh, they just you know when they have a spare moment they say, well I think I'll see if Cal David is still around and they and they Google me and there I am my website and they go on the site and they email me and say we found you we didn't know you were still around and still performing so you know how nice is that that's that's a and the social networking thing the Facebook thing is very interesting uh, YouTube is is quite a phenomenon. Uh, I'll tell you a little story about YouTube. We did a, a performance last year in Springfield, Mass. And, you know, everybody's got a movie camera in their pocket on their phones, you know. And so there's a lot of people that are recording our shows. Uh, somebody recorded um, that show in Springfield. I did a song that Laurie wrote uh, called Heart of Stone that we recorded on this new record. Well, she had recorded it on her album a while back, and she does the song in D. But I do the song, because my voice is a bit lower than hers, I do the song in B-flat. Well, I started the song in D by mistake. We hadn't played it in a few weeks, and I started the song in the wrong key. So for a split second, it sort of sounded like a traffic jam, because <laughs> I made a mistake. The next morning, it's on YouTube. So uh, the guy contacted me by email. and said, how'd you like what I put up there? You know, he had about six songs from the show. And I said, very nice. I really appreciate that. However... There was a mistake made on Heart of Stone, and I would really like it if you would take that off. You know, it's kind of like uh, a little bit exposed. You know, so he he agreed. He he took it off, and that's very nice. But you know, you got to be careful what you do because it could, the next day, it could the, that night, it could be on YouTube. You know, and there's there's a lot of stuff. You know, I've got a lot of things on my website that are my favorite videos. So if you go to my caldavid.com and you click on the video link. You'll see the ones that I want people to see. <laughs> but, if you just go on YouTube and you dial in Cal David, uh, there's a lot of stuff that comes up. People like to record and post it, so.
0: Well, you've also got a listing there of, uh, of some of your recent works, including, uh, DVDs and the Blues Master Class and, uh, the, the, the uh, new CD that you've got out called Crossroads of My Life. You want to say a few words about Crossroads of My Life and, and sure, then how that reflects where you're at now?
1: Well, Crossroads was the first opportunity we've had to be in a recording studio. Most of my recent work has been live recordings. And a lot of folks out there have my, my live records. This, uh, this newest CD, Crossers of My Life, we went in the studio. It was live in the studio. We played, we all played together in the studio, but at least it was in a con- controlled studio environment, which is a nice change. You can stop and start over, you know, and get a good take and all that stuff as opposed to live. Uh, it, it It is a celebration of my 40 years Oh boy, that sounds like a long time Of my 40 years in the recording business I, I made my first recording over 40 years ago And uh, this uh, incorporates some of the songs that I had on an album in the 60s With Illinois Speed Press My music in the 70s with Some of the rhinestone stuff is on there And some new songs that Laurie and I had written for this project and, uh, you know, I'm very proud of the result. I'm, I'm just so, uh, knocked out by the response it's gotten. You know, when it first came out six months ago, uh, we were embraced by Sirius XM Radio and it really gave the thing a boost. And we, you know, it's kind of critically acclaimed and, uh, you know, I appreciate the spins and, uh, what can I say? We're we're planning another one, but uh, this one is still rocking out there. You
0: know? you know, that's another good point to bring up. We talked about the impact of the internet, but also the satellite radio, and they've got blues channels. So now there's another outlet for you to reach out to a larger audience, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, I don't know if it's global, but it, it covers the whole United States and Canada. You know, one of our cuts on that album, the one that's called "Idolize You." Now, Sirius picked two cuts that were the most different from any other cut they picked they chose crossroads of my life the title song which is which doesn't have drums on it it's just my voice and keyboards and they chose to play i idolize you which is a cover It was written by ike turner for tina many many years ago it was kind of an obscure uh tina turner hit uh so we recorded our version you know laurie's got an arrangement of idolize you that's killer Uh, but it's different it's different from anything else on the record so they chose to play those two songs and uh idolize you was the top uh iTunes download in Canada in the month of March it was number 1 on iTunes in Canada in the month of March so that's pretty good coverage you know we we actually do get a lot of airplay in Canada and we've played several uh, festivals in Canada
0: we're talking so to Cal David cool. this morning. Cal David will be performing blues in conversation with Cal David at the Breadbox Cafe, actually the Breadbox Folk Theater at the St. Paul's Episcopal Church, 220 Valley Street on Saturday night. And it's open to the public. Everybody can come and hear similar stories like that. Can you tell a story about your arrangement on Johnny B. Good, the old Chuck Berry number?
1: Well, I did that kind of as a surprise, you know, where I, I start the song Nobody knows what it is. It's kind of a groovy little blues shuffle, unlike the original by Chuck Berry. Uh, and I play it, and, and I watch the crowd. Nobody knows what song it is. And then I go down in Louisiana, across the New Orleans, you know, and, and people are saying, that's a familiar lyric. Uh, among the evergreens, and people are starting to get what song it is. And by the time I get to Go Johnny Go, everybody's like, into it, you know, because uh, they recognize the tune. Although it's not anything like Chuck Berry intended it, <laughs> I suppose. Car in a gunny sack. Sipping in the tree by a railroad track. And it was would sitting in the shade. Struggling to the rhythm that the drivers made. The people passing by, they would stop and say, Oh, oh my.
0: Cal David giving little Chuck Berry music, and that would be Johnny Be Good. Talking to Cal, who will be performing on Saturday night here in Willimantic at the Breadbox Folk Theater. When you tell him the stories in your blues and conversation with Cal David Saturday night, Cal, do you think you'll be getting to the story about the, being the voice of Sunny Eclipse at Disney World?
1: Well, you know, that's not really, uh, in my, uh, on my resume, you know. Um, it's, uh, it was a gig I did, but it's getting so popular. And people are discovering that I, I Cal David, am the voice of Sunny Eclipse. So I've done some radio interviews. I think I did four or five interviews in the last year uh, pertaining to the Disney parks and Sunny Eclipse and, and like that. And what's happening is they're realizing that I have other music besides that. <laughs> and so it's uh, a cool thing. It's kind of expanding my fan base uh, just from doing that gig so long ago. Uh, that Sunny Eclipse is an animatronic character that that is in uh, the Orlando theme park, and uh, I've never seen it. I've got video of him that people have sent to me. Maybe I'll get down there one day um, and and see Sunny myself. But uh, you know, I remember doing that uh, that recording and it was pretty
0: wild. Well, how about speaking of the blues, you did another performance for Disney World at Epcot where you performed the unhealthy living blues for the Goofy About Health exhibit at the Wonders of Life Pavilion. I mean, hey, blues, that's what you do. So that fits well, right in. Uh,
1: that that was the first gig I did for, for Disney, and they did hire me because it was a blues, and the, you know they wanted me to come in there and do that, and I actually did play on that track. And uh, I was playing the part of a doctor who was talking to Goofy, you know, the, con- <laughs> the Disney character, Goofy. And, uh, I was lecturing him about, uh, he shouldn't be smoking or, or drinking or, you know, this was for an insurance exhibit. Uh, and, and I did see that one. It was really a cool thing. It was kind of an outdoor, uh, you know, it was a cityscape. When you look at the, uh, little stage there, they had, uh, buildings and lights would light up. And at one point, a light lit up, and you could see the silhouettes of Goofy and, and this doctor kind of wagging his finger at Goofy. <laughs> and it, I'll tell you what, it was the very first time I ever had to sing the word cancer. You know,
0: I can't say I've heard that word in the lyrics myself too often,
1: either. It so. was pretty weird, you know, and the guy said to me, can you give it a little more smile when you sing the word cancer? <laughs> it was just kind of in the sentence, you know, uh, something about smoke and you could get cancer and choke or something like that. I don't know.
0: Man's got stories. Cal, what a wonderful thing we had. Thanks for joining us this morning, and keep up the great music, okay?
1: Thank you, Wayne. You take care.